Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a streaming freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is Derek and myself, Mike, and we're being joined probably by one of my favorite Star Wars artists out there. And <laughs> one of my, well, just one of my favorite artists in general, and that's Katie Cook. How's everyone doing Yay. tonight? Hi there. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So currently you're involved, you're, you're still involved with My Little Pony, correct? Uh, no, no, I haven't worked on My Little Pony in over a year. <laughs> My, the internet has failed me. Um, <laughs> no, well, that would never happen. No. Um, so currently, since I feel like a fool, <laughs> you're currently working on, on what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I just finished up the art for another Star Wars kids book, Search Your Feelings. It's kind of the third in that that series of ABC 3.0, Obi-1, 2, 3. Awesome. I'm currently working on an anniversary book for Fraggle Rock for Boom. Uh, um, oh, cool. And then I'm going to go back to, I've been taking some time off. And one of the reasons that I left My Little Pony was to do a creator-owned project uh, with Webtoon called Nothing Special. I just, I finished up the first book, I think back in uh, end of March, um, which was like 30 straight weeks of updates, like really long, like almost an issue a week. And I'm going to do another book of that that is going to start updating in the fall. So I've been kind of plugging away at the script for that and starting to get kind of the art ready for it because it's quite a bit more ambitious than the first book. Okay. I will say I did keep track of nothing special and I loved it. Thank you. Um, like I said, it's been crazy, crazy at night. We were talking before show. It's been crazy hit on my end and I apologize. Um, All right. So how did the Fraggle Rock project come about? Because uh, I, I, I worked on the Fraggle Rock books for Arkea years ago, um, you know, uh, back when before Arkea was acquired by Boom, they were putting out Fraggle Rock stuff. So I used to do some of the stories in those. I did like some Fraggle Rock content. I did covers um, and I was really involved in the Fraggle Rock comic book at that time. And they're kind of bringing it back just because the anniversary of Fraggle Rock is this year um, and they originally oh, wow. wanted wanted me to do kind of the first issue. They're doing a four issue run, but with the scheduling with nothing special, uh, I was only able to do uh, the issue that comes out later this year. So I'm currently doing that. And it's a, it's a big exploratory issue of Fraggle Rock. It's not a big angsty story. It's just, you know, Gobo wandering around, um, kind of seeing all of the different corners and characters of Fraggle Rock um, going on a mission. And that way I got to draw everybody, <laughs> um, which is what I wanted uh, out of the project. And it's, it's really cute. And it's this little love letter to Fraggle Rock and about how charming and, and thoughtful you know, the the show was, um, and I wanted to be able to, to do something with it, you know, even though I, I have no time, um, <laughs> I I said yes to it because it's, it's Fraggle Rock and it's something that's been very near and dear to my heart. So I wanted to make sure that I was involved. So you, you've been doing a lot of work with um, IDW and with, with Boom, um, and, and you have done some work in the past with, with Marvel. How does it compare mm -hmm. being with the more independent companies than with one of the mainstream uh, companies. You know what? It's it's apples and oranges. You're you're talking about two companies that work as a license, you know, when I when I do stuff with Marvel, it's for their license, so I I have to adhere to their rules. Um, but with IDW, I was the kind of the main writer for My Little Pony for four and a half years, and with that, I'm 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 still playing in someone else's sandbox. It's it's My Little Pony. It's not mine. So there were always notes back saying you can't do that or that doesn't adhere to the show. That's not on brand. Uh, same thing with Boom. Everything I've ever done with Boom has been a license, you know, whether it be Fraggle Rock, whether it be Adventure Time. Uh, it's always a license. It always has someone else saying yes or no. Uh, and in a lot of ways, Marvel has given me more freedom 
to do whatever I want than those other companies. You know, when Marvel contacts me, even though everything I do for them is a small project, they want me to do it because they want Katie Cook's sense of humor in it or they want Katie Cook's uh, sense of, of something with it. I just did a Thanos story uh, a couple months ago that it's very short. It's only four pages, but they contacted me and my artwork is very cute. And they asked me to write and draw the most violent Thanos story ever told. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what I did. And it's, it's really cutely drawn and it's horrific and terrible. And it was like, all right. And I mean, they, they, I did a, a Spider-Man story where they, they asked me to come up with my own Spider-Verse. So I did, you know, an 11 year old girl gets bitten by the, the spider instead and kind of the, the trials that she would have, you know, instead of it being a boy, it's this really awkward little girl. You know, they asked me to create a bug universe where all of the Avengers are bugs. <laughs> and so I did that. So, you know, in, in Marvel, I mean, I have my own worlds. I have my own verses, my own universes in that world world where they just let me do what I want. Whereas with My Little Pony, there's always a note saying, yeah, you weren't. No, you can't do that. That's kind of funny because you wouldn't think that at, at first, but it actually does make sense. If it, you know, if it's a licensed property like My Little Pony, they have a lot of things to consider. So they want to make sure everything is fitting in. Mm-hmm. It's the brand, you know, and you have to, to follow the rules of that brand. Right. Does that uh, does that ever get frustrating? Yes. Yeah. It's um, again, it's you have to remind yourself and, and I can't let it get me down because, again, it's not my sandbox. It's not right. my my property. I can't throw a hissy fit just because they reject an idea of the story. You know, but there were times where it's I, I had an idea for something and they said I couldn't do it because it interferes with the show or there's an upcoming episode that's that's too close to it and in some cases now there is there's an episode of the show that is so close to one of the stories that i wrote that it's really frustrating because it's like oh no you know this comic that i wrote three years ago is now basically an episode (laughs) and i i I have no say in it because i wrote that for the franchise they own it now and they're allowed to adjust it however they see they see fit so have they made you a character yet in my low point uh I was. They did make me a character um, in the background of the show. Um, and you see her first in an episode called Princess Spike. Um, she's one of the, the pony representatives from one of the other areas. And we kind of deemed that she's from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and her, her, yeah, her name is Bittersweet. <laughs> and uh, the pony that's next to her all the time is my cohort from My Little Pony, Andy Price. And uh, his uh, pony name is Ledwing because he loves Batman and he, you know, is a pencil slinger. So that was a blast. <laughs> I mean, and it was a big surprise. Um, you know, they they got it all approved by Hasbro before any of us knew. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, oh, here's a couple of ponies coming up in the new season. And you see... You know, the, the pony sonas that Andy and I made for the comic books and he would sneak us in in the background sometimes and they put them on the show. And now every once in a while you see her walking around in the background, um, <laughs> nice. which I think is great. You know, it's, it's that thing of like it's that weird little validation. You know, it's my life is very weird and it's and it's amazing. <laughs> But it's it's also a very strange way to make a living when you're like, oh, I write and draw books. And then you can point out to a kid and like, and I'm an official pony. And that's the thing that blows <laughs> their mind. That's the thing that everybody latches on to as being this amazing thing. You know, I can I can tell a parent, you know, of, of you know, one of my, my kids friends. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I've drawn Star Wars books. And they're like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. And then I'm like, I'm an official show pony. And they're like, what? what I want to say you might even possibly be a a pony that's been on sale in the stores as well, potentially. No, no I haven't been. It's uh, If it would, it'd be one of those little blind bag things that they do a bunch of the random ponies right. um, from the background. So maybe one day I'll be a blind bag pony <laughs> that costs $1.99 at Target. Well, um, I know the name they Bittersweet. They did put me in, yeah, in the game loft, um, My Little Pony, like uh, iPad game or Android okay. game. You can you can buy her. She costs like $5.99. She is a, she's a, a purchasable, downloadable content pony, which is hilarious to me 
because the thing that I hate most in modern gaming is at, uh, in-app purchases. Yes. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Purchase, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like I rail against this online constantly. Um, that, you know, just let me pay nine ninety nine for the game once and just uh, I'll do yeah. that. But It is the bane of my existence. Almost like out of um, Just because I think they were like, nope, Katie hates in-app purchases. Let's make her one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i actually have kind of a two-part question mm-hmm. um so with with my little pony or any of the licensed properties you've done have they given you uh like new characters ahead of time to put into your books and um do you get to know some things ahead of time because of that with ponies yes um uh ponies before they introduced sunset shimmer in the first equestria girls movie uh they had me read through the script and do a a little mini comic that was about her separation from Celestia um, and why she left the pony world. So I kind of got to make up you know, her backstory, which is kind of great. That's um, cool. You know, so there's always little things like that or with ponies, you know, yeah, I'd get to know, you know, some of the synopsis of the, the other episodes that are upcoming ahead of time. I knew when Twilight was going to become a princess because, you know, we have to work those into the books and books are made so far in advance. You know, um, I'm working on some comic books right now that are for one of the Disney TV shows. So, you know, I had season one and season two scripts to work from, even though season two hasn't even aired yet. Um, yeah. I can't say which one that is yet because they haven't even announced these books, even though I've been writing them for seven months, <laughs> um, which is that, another is, part of working in licensed books. That's really weird. Sounds a little bit like Joe Caramonia because yeah. where because I got this book working on it. It's a it's a return. It's going to be a series that's returning after a long absence. I can't say anything yet. I'm like, okay. Then DuckTales comes out. He lets it out. He goes, yeah, I already know how next season begins. And the first season just started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes, I'm writing stories that are going in between. Yep. So. We did the same thing um, back in the day during Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, I used to work on the webcomic that they put in between the episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So again, that was, you know, I would know the episode ahead of time because I would be, you know, doing the comic that would, you know, fit in between these little bridges. Well, speaking of Star Wars real quick, uh, let's touch on the uh, the children's books you've done, the ABC mm-hmm. C-3PO and the Obi-Wan 1, 2, 3. Mm-hmm. How did Obi-Wan those come? 1, 2, 3 is fun. Uh, you know what? I have been doing stuff for Lucasfilm since well before um, the Disney purchase. And it was one of those things of I had been contracted to a bunch of books through Scholastic. You know, at the time, I had just done like this Star Wars Valentine's Day thing. And then the, the Disney bio happens. And Disney has its own publishing stuff. So basically, all of those contracts were canceled, um, which was really disappointing. And it was one of those things where all of us that had been kind of doing work for Lucasfilm we're in this limbo of like, oh, I guess maybe I'm done. You know, they've got their own people. They've got their own stuff. Uh, and thank, yeah. Thank, yeah. Thankfully, after a while, um, you know, I got a call from, you know, some people at Lucasfilm Publishing that, that still really liked my work. And they asked me to hop on board for these books. And they've been so much fun. And, you know, they've been really challenging and, you know, just a blast to work on. And I know that just from looking at the artwork for ABC 3PO from a couple of years ago, and then the artwork that I just turned in for Search Your Feelings, you know, I'm almost a better artist because of the challenging aspects of them of like, you know, make Katie draw the Millennium Falcon, make Katie draw 11 x <laughs> um, uh-huh. you know, it's it, they, They're a riot, they're a blast, and the people at Disney Publishing at Lucasfilm Press are just an absolute delight to work with. Well, that's good. It's good that 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 ended up having a happy ending because I'm sure there was there was a good amount of time there where you would just with everything up in the air that can't be good a good feeling it's it's that thing of again it's you know it's I'm a freelancer for a living and all of us that kind of make this conscious decision to you know work kind of project to project you can't always rely on that next project from that company always being there um, so it's that, you know, yeah, that give true. and take of like, yes, right now, Disney is a, a really great chunk of my income, but I've always got my sites ready and I've got a backup plan in case that goes away. Cause I mean, I got, I got a mortgage to pay. I've got all of this other stuff to do. Now you, you, you say Disney makes up a good chunk of your income. Um, mm-hmm. what is it you you're doing with, with Disney, uh, for that to be, 
a significant part. Well, it's Disney owns Star Wars, so that's the Star Wars books. Um, when I do anything for Marvel, that's Disney. The the Disney comics that I've been writing that tie into the TV show, that's Disney. Um, I've been doing some work for the Wonderground Galleries um, in the Disney parks. So I have four pieces with them right now. So think of that right there. That's that's four projects yeah. that are, are contracted through Disney on my plate just from 2018. And I will say, personally, if any of our listeners get a chance to go to either California, to downtown Disney, to the Wonderground Gallery there, or to Disney Springs here in Orlando, check out the gallery. It, it's a great place to go. Um, and then definitely go to check out Katie's pieces. Um because they, because a lot of times the pieces go quick. Because uh, I remember one of the first times you had a piece there. I think within a week, uh, the one here in Orlando didn't have any on the shelf at the moment. They were waiting for a new shipment to come from, I think, the warehouse. Probably the haunted mansion piece. Yes. That one was really popular. Yeah, I know it was a gorgeous piece. It's crazy. The original is still hanging at the Wonderground in Anaheim. So, because that one has a really hefty price tag on it, so <laughs> it sells more prints. Well, staying under the Disney umbrella for the moment, what is something that you w- would like to tackle that you haven't had a chance to tackle yet? Um, uh, as far as Wonderground stuff, you know, I have another piece in my head that's a big map of the Jungle Cruise that I'd really like to have time to finish. Um, it's one of those that's finding the time. I mean, the Haunted Mansion piece that I did took six weeks and people look at it and, you know, it's very detailed. It's very big. But people don't look at how much time a piece like that can take, Yeah, you know, from, oh, from yeah. re- the research that goes into it because it has to be on brand for Disney. I mean, it needs to have that Disney charm. It needs to hold up to the scrutiny of, of all of these fans of the ride. See, um, you know, I, the, the Haunted Mansion one has every single animatronic in that ride is wow. represented in that piece. Yeah, I remember that. And because I know that if I missed one, somebody would point it out. I mean, it even has the little ghost on a bike, you know, <laughs> in the background. You know, and same with Jungle Cruise. I gotta, I gotta get it on point. And now it's I gotta pick between Disneyland or Disney World. You know, I've only been on the the refurbished Disney World one once. Um, whereas you know, Disneyland is very near and dear to my heart. But you know, it's it's all of those decisions of of what's gonna go over better with you know the Disney fan. You know, most most Disney park fans. Are Disney World fans? Yeah. Um, whereas I'm a I'm a Disneyland person, but that's only because Disneyland is where I've been the most. Even though I'm in Michigan, <laughs> um, no, I I didn't take myself to the parks until I was in my 20s. I never went as a kid. Oh wow, um, I, I'm the same my, way. My parents always told me I wouldn't like it. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that was my my parents' way of one probably saving money, and two, we always took educational vacations. Um, you know, we went to historic war sites because my mom taught U.S. history or, you know, we were from Michigan, so we'd go to Chicago or we'd go up north and, you know, or we'd go to a museum. (laughs) And it was just one of those things of like, I called my parents from the middle of the Magic Kingdom. I think I was 26 or 27. It was like, you guys are liars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with uh, with my wife and I, for both of us, our first trip to Disney is when I came. We we did Downtown Disney as it was known then. Um, when I was taking a look at a, a a school here in the Orlando area uh, to go to to finish up my degree, and then um, we got married and came down for our honeymoon. So that was our first time in any of the parks. Was our honeymoon. So we were wow. we were in our late twenties and been here ever since. Celebrating having just celebrated twenty years as a cast member here at the parks. How time flies. <laughs> Um, now I know, I think the first time I ever saw you was at, uh, at Star Wars Celebration 5. Okay. Uh, and then we, we've seen each other quite a few times since then. Mm-hmm. What do you like about the convention circuit? Um, and, and what's maybe one of the craziest stories you've, you've had coming from a convention? So, conventions are this double-edged sword for me. You know, it's, I, I have kids, I have two small kids, but I mean, last year I, I did 18 conventions. Think of that. That uh-huh. is 18 weekends away from home, usually Thursday to Monday and 18 weekends of me away from my, my drawing table. You know, I love uh, the income that it can generate. I love the chance to interact with people. I love exploring new cities. Um, I love eating my way through the United States. Um, 
Um, I love the fact that conventions have taken me around the world, you know, going to the UK and Australia and, and all of these other countries. But I really like my house. <laughs> I, like, I like to sit in my house. <laughs> I like to be in my house. Um, I like I like to sit at, on the couch with my kids. And uh, I recently bought a Nintendo Switch. So now whenever I am forced to leave the house, it's like I have to leave it for my children. So I was like, well, I don't get to play Zelda all weekend. I got to go to a convention. Um, but, you know, it's... But then there's, like I said, there's that camaraderie of conventions. There's that, that chance to get out and meet people and introduce them to what you do for a living. Um, you know, that that's amazing because, you know, I work from home. The only I, the only people I ever see are my family. You know, conventions are basically my only time to, to meet new people. <laughs> um, so, but I really cut back this year. I think I'm only doing eight this year, which is really crazy considering the, the numbers of 18, 15, you know, that I've done for the past several years um, because I'm, I'm trying to give it a go of being at home more now that my kids are, you know, my, my oldest was in first grade this year. You know, my, my youngest is going into kindergarten next year. And I really want to give a go at what can I do content wise if I'm at home more. And, you know, last year I stopped everything after New York Comic Con, you know, up until the spring. So I stayed home from October until October, November, December, June. So for almost six solid months, I stayed home. And from that six months came Nothing Special Book One. Um, so it was one of those moments of like, oh, my God, look what can happen if I stay home. <laughs> and actually spend the time. If I work every day at my desk, even though they were they were long days. I mean, like, I don't think I've worked as hard on something in, you know, the past five or six years. Like, not since the days when I was trying to prove myself in the industry, you know, before I had kids, when I was trying to put out as much content as possible, where I, I accepted any single book that was extended to me so I could say I can do that. But, I mean, nothing special. I got up with my kids at 7. I got them off to school. I had coffee by 8.30. I was down in the office and then I would stop at five and then I would go shuffle, you know, go get my kids from school or daycare, get them home, get them fed, get them cleaned up, get them to bed. And then by nine o'clock, I was back in my office and I would work until midnight or one in the morning. And then every single Saturday, every single Sunday that we didn't have a family commitment or my husband was like, you are, you're going to drop dead um, from 10 a.m. until about four. I was back in the office. And then sometimes after dinner, I'd go back to the office again every weekend. And that is with, I hired a colorist and a letterer. So that's just with me doing the pencils and the line art and then trying to be the manager of, of the colorist and the editor for everything. But I mean, if you look at this book and see how long some of these chapters are, and yeah. then you look at the fact that I was putting out one of those a week, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Um, like I, like even I'm looking back at that and I'm like, oh, I can keep up that pace for the next book because the next book is even longer and it was like are you you're a crazy person katie <laughs> like i i lost weight i lost my mind i let my hair grow out to like this crazy hobo lady length <laughs> Um, like there were there were days where I like would wander out of the basement and my husband was like, "Did you bathe today?" And was like, "I don't know." <laughs> what day is it? We I had those days of like I don't know what's happening anymore because it's also it's it's self imposed deadlines. You know, even though I did have you know online publishing deadlines, like oh it comes out every Tuesday, so I need to have it basically to them by Sunday night so they can get everything up online on Monday. Day. But it's that, you know, when I when I'm doing stuff for Marvel or I was doing things with another schedule, like I'd set my days out like, oh, that's due Wednesday. So do, 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 I'm going to do this. Whereas it was just a free for all when it's your own project. I mean, even though it's like it's got to be done on Sunday, there's that like middle of the week where you're sleep deprived and you're just working on it's the same characters. It's the same setting. And it is. I would just stare at things and be like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> now, I want to go back a little bit, if I may. 
What was the inspiration behind Gronk? Uh, Gronk started off as a joke in college. Um, you know, I, I went to art school and we were asked to do a self-portrait. And I don't know if you know anybody who has been to art school to get their BFA. But when you are a freshman in college, every single person that's asked to do a self-portrait does something that's very deep. Like it's very, they're, like they're naked from the waist up and their eyes are blacked out or... <laughs> like something, you know, like here's a painting of a stiletto heel and it represents who I am. You know, that kind of absolute bullshit that we all did when we were 18 and, you know, at a private art college. And, and I did it. We all did it. But... <laughs> So I was watching everybody in my class. We had like two weeks to do this thing. So we're doing this self-portrait and everybody's doing their own style. It's supposed to give the teacher kind of a baseline of where you are, where your thinking is and all of this other stuff. So I came up with this short squat, fat little monster with a pixie cut, <laughs> which was also my hair at the time, who just liked cats and she was kind of dumb. <laughs> And didn't know what the heck she was doing, because that's how I felt, being taken out of high school and then thrown into this college. And I was like, this is what I am. This is this is my self-portrait. And I did a bunch of little illustrations featuring her, and I did like the, the animation roundabouts of her. So it came time for like the critique of this project and everybody is throwing up like I said these very like ghastly deep self portraits or like oh look I this is the first time I used oils and don't touch it Jesus Christ I have no idea how to make them set like that kind of like <laughs> big crazy thing and I walk up there and I pin a couple of computer printouts of this little monster up on the board and I just remember the the professor looking at me and he was like, what, what is this? And I was like, that's me. That's what I would look like if I were a monster. <laughs> and he was like, how does, how is that the assignment? And I was like, well, so I like kind of went into what the character was and I, I passed, I got an A. Um, but it really just for, for four years, whenever I, I had to do something, I would do a little doodle of this monster, you know, kind of approaching the same problem that I had. And she turned into this thing. I mean, she's, she's her own entity. Um, Gronk is a project. There's four books and, you know, she's very near and dear to my heart, you know, and she's really evolved into basically my seven-year-old Grayson at this point. Like it, it went from Gronk being this really innocent character um, to Gronk being this kind of sassy little four-year-old <laughs> that really gives everybody a hard time so Gronk evolved were, were you surprised uh, about how well Gronk took uh, after it was released yeah yeah you know it was one of those things it's you know all of us that kind of create our own content are always surprised when something that that we do is people like it you know it, as somebody that works in licenses for the most part it's really easy for me to walk up to somebody and say hey I made a Star Wars book will you buy it it's a given hey I made a My Little Pony book will you buy it it's a given yeah there's always going to be an audience for it but there's a special little piece of your heart that's the hey i made this thing you have no idea what it is you've never heard of it will you buy it <laughs> Um, and when somebody buys it and they like it enough to say, hey, when's the next one coming out? You know, that's amazing to me. Um, again, with, with nothing special, in the six months that that the first book ran, I got over 60 pieces of fan art from kids. We've had cosplayers at conventions. Wow. Um, people send me radishes that they've made. There's a character that's a little <laughs> ghost of a radish. Uh, people send me little radishes they've made or at conventions people have brought me radishes with little googly eyes on them people ask me for drawings of the characters constantly um i think in like in the six-ish months that it ran i've gained almost 3,500 instagram followers wow you know and you know it's got so many subscribers e each week had over a thousand comments on it you know of, of people going back and forth and they were never shitty even though you know the the main audience for nothing special even though it's all ages i would say is teenagers because it's about these two teenagers and these teenagers are so polite in the comment section they're so interested in where the, the story is going and where the characters are going oh wow and it's that thing that i'm not used to because i'm used to the the, the very toxic my little pony fandom not the small children but the adult <laughs> fandom where it's after an issue would come out, you know, I'd get something very, very lewd and awful, you know, on Twitter about what, you know, how much they don't like how I write Spike. So it's really they do that in My Little Pony, too. 
oh my god it's so terrible but you know it's having people have this really pleasant discourse over the characters that are yours and now it's it's been on this hiatus while i work on the second book because not everybody understands that it takes a lot of time to make these things so i get a lot of when's the next one coming out when's the next one coming out you know every single day when's the next one and i'm never going to be irritated by that because why would i be mad at somebody that wants to see more of something that's mine right yeah Yeah. it's you know it's it's better than the opposite of absolutely nobody asking for it Um, that must be an incredible feeling though just to, to know that you've created something that so many people love yeah it's it's crazy um i was at phoenix comic fest or fan fest they change the name every year now um (laughs) a couple weeks ago and a friend of mine that was in texas at another show texted me a photo of someone cosplaying from the main as the main character and he's like katie i leapt across an aisle and chased down a a girl (laughs) to get a photo of her to send to you he was like i severely creeped her out (laughs) but i mean she like she had every detail right it was it was amazing it was like i only regret that i didn't get to see it in person and tell them how much that meant to me right yeah that is awesome so we have it the the katie army reigns strong (laughs) (laughs) well that's good it brings it it brings a little bit of uh goodness to the world that's a good thing. So, yeah. So on your initial run with My Little Pony, what was one of your, your favorite stories or story arcs that, that you wrote? Uh, I think the standout, it's a it's a single issue. You know, we did a bunch of arcs where things are two or four issues. But there's a, a single issue called How Rarity Got Her Ruby Back <laughs> um, that I, I love. You know, she's really overworked and she's overtired. So her friends send her to this, this away spa and it ends up being like this hippie work camp um where you work the farm and you know it's it's kind of based on i live in ann arbor michigan which is full of these like really burnt out hippies and professionals (laughs) you know which i i love about the town you know but you know she she notices that these you know these guys are going to lose their farm you know they're really bad at business even though they make these really amazing all-natural products based you know from the stuff that they make on the farm but they're very bad at business like they sell it all in a roadside stand they everything has terrible names and rarity <laughs> comes along and kind of rebrands them without changing their ethical approach to anything without you know any any of the like almost like estee lauder touch of everything she just makes you know, everything they want a little bit more desirable and she makes it a really high end product and has them charging what it's worth for the the amount of work that they put into it and ends up saving their business and making them one of the brand names across across Equestria. Um, And of course, they use all of that money just to take down this, you know, terrible sign like that's like coming soon, big barn bargains, you know, kind of thing. So it's, I've always just liked it. it. It's a really simple story. It's a it's a pretty common almost trope from from TV. You know, like big town so and so comes in and saves small town. But oh, yeah, <laughs> there's there's just a bit of that story and all of the little aside gags in it. That even when I look back at it, I'm like I laugh even though I wrote it. <laughs> Andy Price's artwork on it is great. Um, you know, like the pony names are so stupid and I love them. Like we named the hippie ponies like wheat grass and. Flour. Black seed um, <laughs> and uh, the farmhands are, are tofu and tempeh, and everybody just has these very like hippy dippy little names. And Andy drew them all so seventies, um, which I just I love. So everyone, it's just it's such a cute little issue, and it's it's a great one that I can give to somebody and say this is what I tried to accomplish with My Little Pony, and it's something that Andy Price absolutely knocks out of the park with his sense of humor and his style and the the charm that he brings to My Little Pony. What's been... Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. What's been one of your favorite uh, convention moments of people either coming up to you for an autograph or or your little um, thumbnail sketch cards? Uh, it Which, really changes. You know, I, I have an entire panel that I do with Jim Zub at Emerald City Comic Con about this called Convention Horror Stories. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to tell you a bad one and a good one. 
Um, bad one is a My Little Pony story, but um, I was at a pony convention in New York, and this was right after they changed Twilight Sparkle to being a princess. And this guy came up to my table and he asked if we were going to keep her a prince, like a regular, just unicorn in the books. And you know, I start giving the very corporate answer of like, well, actually, no, it's, the books have already been written. You know, we've already known about the change, so she's going to become an alicorn, and that's you know how she's known. In, in the canon from now on and he got really upset and you know he's shaking and he's starting to sniffle a little bit and he started going you know you don't you don't understand if she becomes a princess she's out of my league <laughs> and then he starts crying and there's this moment where yeah it's, yeah. it's really funny but it's really sad yeah and, and it's just it's so, it was so awkward it was painfully awkward yeah so i can was, imagine so it's that point where i was like waving convention staff over of like can you please take him somewhere and console him um and uh, the best one, though, is also my little pony story is I have it sitting on a shelf in my office. Um, I was in I think it was in Cincinnati um, a couple of years ago. And this little girl gave me a My Little Pony comic that she had hand drawn and colored. That oh, was wow. about my pony moving to Ponyville and meeting all of the ponies. And it's it's very cute. It's very sweet. And my huh. my pony is wandering around. And every single time, you know, somebody, you know, she tries to introduce herself to, to Pinkie Pie in the beginning. And Pinkie Pie rushes off, like, very rudely. And from that point on, everybody that she tries to introduce herself to, it goes very badly. And it all wraps up together. And Pinkie Pie had run off in the beginning to go get a welcome to Ponyville party started. And that's that's what everybody was being very rude to her because they had been on strict orders from Pinkie Pie to go get stuff from this party. It was very cute, very well thought out by someone who was like 10 years old. Wow. And then I, I get to the back and it says that she had never read a comic book before, my My Little Pony books, and hmm. now it's what she wanted to do with her life. Wow. <laughs> and it was, thank you, um, you know, for, for making these books. I want to be a comic writer and artist and be just like you when I grow up. And it's one thing for my kids to say that. You know, my kids have to worship me. Like, I, there's like, <laughs> like, there is no question. Like, they have to. Like, I will not allow them to not worship me. <laughs> but when, but when a kid that just out of the blue is, is so appreciative of, of what, not what I do in the books, but what we all did as a team on those books, you know, that, that hit home for me. And that was this moment you know it's kids love those books i sign those books for kids all the time um one of the my little pony books i had a librarian tell me is their most stolen book from the library huh. and wow. it was like wow that's actually like quite a compliment like a kid loves it so much he didn't want to give it back you know that's <laughs> that's an amazing thing so. sure that is kind of cool i mean that's actually the first time i've ever heard that <laughs> yeah <laughs> So now, how did you get involved, um, obviously, pre the Disney purchase, uh, get involved freelancing for Lucasfilm? Uh, a couple different ways. Uh, mostly, I started doing those sketch cards for Tops uh, back when they first kind of started doing them. Oh, yeah. And yeah. kind of that garnered me a way in to work on the webcomics. And then I started doing some little cartoons for StarWars.com back when they had the StarWars.com blog. Because um, this was like back during the prequel era. Like this is, yeah. we did not have new content. This was like people considered Star Wars a dead license. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a nostalgia thing only for people at that point. You know, it was Clone Wars was new, but there was no hope of new movies and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it, it was really just kind of I got in on the ground floor of something that not a lot of people thought was going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> um you know but i've always loved star wars so it was just that then i was just i was just happy to be there <laughs> and then all of a sudden you know it's it's back and it's back with a vengeance oh my god yes and, you know thank mm. goodness um they've, they've kept me on <laughs> for the ride <laughs> i'm i'm thrilled beyond thrilled to, to continue to get to do Star Wars stuff. I would definitely say I have loved your um, Celebration exclusives. No, thank you. Um, your art has definitely, at conventions, especially at Celebration, um, have been pieces that I, I always look forward to, to seeing. And, and I always look forward to that 
that next piece that comes to to Wonderground, like we talked about earlier. Um, and I, I will say, I, I did have fun um, when you've done the where you leave the little sketches around the parks. Oh yeah, in Disneyland, I love doing that. Yeah, and, um, and then I remembered when you were here in Orlando last year and you came to the parks. You, you were doing it around here. I'm like, if mm-hmm. I wasn't working, I'd be all over trying to chase one of these down just to go. <laughs> that is, you need. To, find some kit you need to go pick that up that was left for someone like you yeah it's those are a blast um you know every time i i know i'm gonna be in one of the parks i always pre-do some artwork and then i i I do a scavenger hunt around the park i i post the storefront and then the skew like the shelving that i hide it on and then i i just kind of post it was like all right third hat books goes collectible on the right it's behind it come on guys (laughs) (laughs) And almost all of them are gone within 10 minutes, sometimes less than that. Um, There was uh, a few times at Disneyland, since it's such a small park, if someone spots me doing it and they follow my Instagram, they will start following me around the park. (laughs) It is crazy. We've had to like duck people or stop for an hour um, just to kind of lose, lose, lose my tail. Um, uh, so and there was one um i had hid one in the haunted mansion store (laughs) and all of a sudden this guy comes barreling in and he's like where is it it's like i haven't even posted it yet he was like like, i I know you've got a haunted mansion one (laughs) and i was like all right i guess well you're the first one to find it so you can have it and i pointed over to where i had hit it and he's like it's not here and this woman is like walking out waving the envelope like i thought i lost her i'm sorry I, I let him pick from what i still had in my bag i was like okay so i'm not gonna make you wait an hour so now what's been like the cast members reactions when when they see you or if they see you putting one of these in a hiding spot uh you know what i'm I'm usually pretty crafty about it you know i haven't been caught and had a cast member kind of shame me for it the one time that i there was a cast member was like what are you doing i was like oh this is really silly i i have a piece of artwork in this envelope i'm gonna hide it behind this book i'm gonna post on my instagram because i know i have about you know like it's just after celebration i have a few hundred followers that are in the park right now so i'm gonna you know hide this and whoever finds it gets to keep it and she was like wow that's really kind of crazy um but like she was she was totally fine with it so well, and then, cool. there are a couple couple cast members that take part in it you know it's um there was a comment on one once where she's like oh no i work in a different store and apparently like she called that other store and said she just hid this grab it for me like that kind of <laughs> <laughs> that was dirt dirty and underhanded um, or i was I was sitting in Trader Joe's Trader Joe's I said Trader Sam's and I was having a hippopotamitai and I posted that I had a painting of a hippopotamitai in my bag for the first person to come to Trader Sam's and buy me another hippopotamitai and this woman comes barreling in about nine minutes later <laughs> and she's like I'm a cast member and I just got off work and I had to get here before the age cut off in five minutes <laughs> <laughs> And it was great, and she she was absolutely delightful. She was so happy to get it. Um, so yeah, it was it's it's super fun. I love doing it um, when I'm able. That's, that's really cool. That sounds it, like a whole lot cool. of fun. It yeah. is cool. That's like that. How did you come up with that idea? Um, there's something called kind of like uh, Art Drop Day, where a bunch of artists kind of get together and they go do little art drops all over their city. Um, oh, so okay. if somebody like happens across this envelope on a park bench or something, they just get a cute little piece of free art. And it kind of came from that. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Very cool, yeah. So um, you, you mentioned that you, you had a, a Disney project coming up that you couldn't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you feel if Disney came up to you and said, uh, the Rocketeer cartoons company, Disney Junior, I believe. Mm-hmm. How would you like to do a an all ages book on the new Rocketeer? I don't know enough about it to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty self-involved in my own project right now. So the thought of taking on another book scares me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right now it's, I, I know the Rocketeer movie, but I don't know the source material because there was a Rocketeer comic book and stuff, but I don't, I don't know it well enough to comfortably say I would love to write that. Okay. What, what other, no, I can't, I might just went a totally different direction. So I can't, 
get that question out. <laughs> so I'm going to defer to Derek to hopefully bail me out on this one. Uh, oh, with my own question, you mean? With your own question. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you were thinking of. I don't know. <laughs> unless you can figure out what I'm thinking. No, well, I never usually can, but... <laughs> <laughs> so so um do you have do you have any more um what do you, what do you what do you have planned in the future for your for your Gronk character? Uh Gronk is kind of DOA right now until I have time to bring her back. Um I don't know if you've noticed I haven't updated that in almost 2 years. Um uh because one I've been working on other projects and then I, my focus right. has shifted to nothing special, you know. I love Gronk, but Gronk is not paying my mortgage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so until such time as I can figure out, you know, how to how to make Gronk pay for daycare, uh Gronk stays very near and dear to my heart, but Gronk needs a little bit of a refresh and a rebrand. Um but yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a character that I love and a character that will come back eventually, but I've got other things to focus on right now. But um, definitely not officially over with with the character. No. no, not at all. That's good. Now the project you're working on with with Disney. When when will we expect to see that uh, either announced or or debut? My guess is they'll at least talk about it at San Diego. They put me on a panel about it. So I was like, well, all right, cool. does that mean we're going to talk about it, or am I just going to sit there for an hour? <laughs> we, we are not that far away. <laughs> They'll just introduce you and then never mention it again. <laughs> that has happened. That has been uh, like oh, really? I, was yeah. I was on a panel and they're like, "Oh, I thought we couldn't talk about that thing yet." So I just kind of sat there and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I have nothing to say. I got nothing to add, guys. It's, it's that Dave Filoni aspect. Can we talk about this? As the Rebels yeah. cast looks at Dave Filoni. Um, one of your biggest geek out moments since uh, getting into this crazy world of comics and, and the art. Mine? Yes. Uh, I got to go backstage and meet the original cast of Hamilton. Oh, oh that would be cool. That was, that was pretty great. Um, all because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it's you know, I do a lot of conventions, so I meet a lot of you know like people that are you know the celebrities at the conventions. You know, it's like, hey, I've shared a car to the airport with the cast of Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> it's like I don't. It's weird, but it's I can't count that as as this meaningful, amazing interaction for me because one, it's like it's a car to the airport, or it's a it's I met someone in a green room, and they're never gonna remember me. I never got to interact with them on a level of this is because of what I do. But you know, with the the Hamilton cast, I was there because of my artwork, um, which was kind of great, and I got to hand out pieces that I had done of the cast to everybody. And then I went and I saw Hamilton uh, a second time. Uh, a few months later and even though the cast had switched over um, the the new actor that had been playing Hamilton at the time I had left a piece for him just because I thought he was great and I got to go backstage and say hi to him because I hadn't met him that time so I've, I've been backstage at Hamilton twice and the second time I ran around like an idiot picking up all the props and just taking lots of photos with everything because that was my time <laughs> to be like wait I don't have to be cool I don't so have to act suave so how is it you you ended up getting commissioned to do some pieces or or did you get commissioned to do pieces for Hamilton? Well, it was I had um I had donated some artwork to Broadway Cares, um, which is an AIDS charity, and uh, the the current King George had seen a piece that I had done of King George, and he asked if I would do a piece for him, and it was like, well, actually, I'm going to be there in a few weeks. I can hand deliver it. And that's what happened. I got the invite to go backstage and I, I said, I'm going to bring a piece for everybody. And everybody came up on the stage afterward to get their piece because they wanted it. And that was great. But I got to meet Lynn and I got to meet Leslie Odom Jr. And I got lots of very uh, lingering hugs, which was great. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Broadway theater nerd. You know, um, I just got back from a Broadway weekend with some friends um, where we just go and see like three shows back to back to back. And, you know, to to basically meet the people who made what is, you know, this cult cultural phenomenon um, was was a delight. And to tell them just how much I enjoyed it and and the impact that I think that it's having on people. It's great. That's pretty good. You got to you got to go back 
you got to meet the cast twice, and most a lot of people don't even get tickets to the show anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is one of the hottest tickets in New York. Mm-hmm. So I've heard. Um, what property outside of, of Star Wars Milo Pony that you've been part of um, would would you like to be a part of or when time frees up and your and scheduling wasn't an issue that what would you love to be a part of? Probably another Marvel project. You know, I, I love the editors at Marvel. I love the freedom that they they really want you to take with some of their their characters. I'd love to take something that's really obscure and do something really silly and obnoxious with it. Um, kind of a la what they did with Squirrel Girl. Um, I think that Ryan North and Erica Henderson really made something that's delightful. Um, I'd love a chance to do something like that um, with a, a character that nobody likes. <laughs> um, or that, or I'd, I'd hop into Star Wars comics. I think that, you know, IDW is doing some really fun stuff with um, the Star Wars stuff that's more aimed towards all ages. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that'd be uh, a fun thing to to approach. I mean, right now I'm I'm having fun for the first time in a few years, kind of doing my own thing. But if I were to, if nothing special completely tanked, then I would be like, can I can I just write a Star Wars book, please? <laughs> that'd be cool. I, I I've always wondered how long is it going to be before you you get involved in doing a uh, Star Wars adventures story. Oh, it's very competitive. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants on it, so yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised you haven't. It's one of those things of it's I'm never going to force my way onto a book. Um, it's like I bet if I asked, um, I'm sure that they would let me. Right. But right now, there's so many people clamoring to be part of that book. Disney Publishing just gave IDW a really a great little award because of how well they're handling it. And I'm not going to go in there and step on the toes of a team that, that's working really well and get all diva and demandy pants saying, give me a story. <laughs> Is there a property from when you were a kid that you would love? You know, because we know Leah Thompson talked about Howard the uh, she wants to pitch a new Howard the Duck movie. Um, is there something that you would love to see reboot since Hollywood's in this age of reboots and remakes that you would love to see either rebooted or remade? Oh, no. So much of what I loved in the 80s is terrible. <laughs> and then every time someone tries to reboot it, it's even worse. Yeah, that's um, true. Like, like, I loved Rainbow Bright, and then I know they tried to bring it back a couple times, and it's terrible. Um, it's just a, a character that you can't. Um, and then Ponies is rebranded all the time, so it's like we're on the right. fourth generation of it, and it's it's very different every time. So there's the that thing of like, yeah, I'd love to have my hands in a in a relaunch of this or a relaunch of that. But then there's that, oh my god. Um, so if it was just something that I'd like to see relaunched and see somebody do something fun with, um, you know, there's some talks that Jordan Peele wants to make a Gargoyles movie, and I say let that let that man do whatever he wants. Yes. Oh yeah, I read that. That. Yeah, I would and love then, to see that. Uh, or I'd love to see them do a Fraggle Rock movie. Um, yeah. But if it's something that's as far as if I had my hands in it, oh my God, that'd be terrifying because the internet is terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's for the sure. Sec- the second you announce, hey, they're going to make a new so-and-so, they could say either we're going to make another Fraggle Rock movie. And the first thing that everybody is going to say is, we didn't ask for that. I was like, well, you know what you, you didn't ask for back in the 70s? Star wars nobody Mm. asked for that everybody just quiet and see how it goes nobody asked for it nobody expected it and look what happened okay how about the the talk then um i guess it was with some companion book that's corresponding with the james cameron series on uh was that on history channel um the talk of, of george saying his concept for seven eight and nine would have been movies that the fans hated anyway having worked within the Lucasfilm realm, what are your thoughts on that? Jar Jar for days. um, (laughs) You know what? It's the Star Wars is George's and it's not. 
um, Star Wars belongs almost to the people now. <laughs> but having said that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy puts people in charge of Star Wars that love Star Wars. And no matter what you do, right. because Star Wars is such a big thing to so many people, you are never going to make everyone happy. It is absolutely impossible that every single person is going to walk out of, let's say, Solo and be thrilled with it. You're not going sure. to get that that beloved reaction to a new hope you know to empire strikes back with any of this new stuff we're all too ingrained in it now you know my kids love force awakens and last jedi and see absolutely nothing wrong with it because they aren't tainted by that history of loving star wars for the past three decades like the rest of us Um, (laughs) you know they don't have that critical eye and i i tell this to people who get really bitchy about it it's like they didn't make it for you Um, Star Wars, every new generation of Star Wars is for the kids that are going to love Star Wars in 30 years. Right. You know, my kids could not give a fig about A New Hope because it looks old. (laughs) 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 And it hurts me to say that. Um, But they also, they don't, they don't love Luke Skywalker. They don't love Han Solo. They, They like Princess Leia. Of course, they're, they're girls. But they don't have this emotional attachment to to the characters like we do. Uh, I had that same feeling uh, before Force Awakens came out. Uh, over over a period of time, we we were showing my daughter Star Wars films, and we started with the original trilogy. And thankfully, I had the the version with the the original uncut um, that was part of that two disc special edition set. And she goes, Daddy, this looks so grainy. I said, well, it won't the next time you see this. And then she saw it on, on TBS. And she's like, I think I like the, the version you showed me better, Daddy. Like, okay. But for her, you know, it's like you said, her favorite films, Star Wars films, if she was to rank them, are the ones that have come out now in her lifetime, not not our films. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe she might like the, the prequels as well. It, it, she enjoys them all, but I mean, if she, when she ranks her favorites, it varies between what has the four that have come out now and then everything else gets added to that list. Whenever I show my oldest the prequels, I forward through anything that is a Senate scene, and then they love them. <laughs> so anything with the Galactic Senate or any talk of a trade federation, if you just skip right over that, seven-year-olds love the prequels. <laughs> I like them more. Sure, that makes sense. <laughs> that bit was a little dry. Yeah. Yeah, but but you're right. The uh, it's it's a whole different thing for the kids these days. They they're growing up with these new movies, so to them, you know, this this is what this is what they know. This is what they're falling in love with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still love them too, even though I'm a little older. <laughs> you know, I I really enjoyed Solo. I I enjoyed the Last Jedi. I'm not ashamed to say it. I don't. I don't have problems with them. I think that they're fine. I have a couple problems with Last Jedi, but, but I mean, overall, I think that stuff is fun. And Force Awakens, I I love. You know, it's I love yeah. Ray. I love Finn. I love Poe Dameron. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, it was. They were fun, and I thought Solo was a fun Star Wars movie. I had some things that I was right. like, wait a minute, but sure, it's like but... oh, but that's not part of the EU anymore. So I guess I don't have a problem with that. And then I love Lando. I want uh, higher, I want Lando. I want fifty minutes of him just picking out neck scarves that's what i want <laughs> he was so awesome yeah. yes yeah well i will say i mean we, we've talked about this uh derek and i also do are part of a, a star wars podcast and you know, we've talked about last jedi and we we nitpicked it and there were definitely elements like eh, could have done without this could have done without that but overall we still feel it was a great movie it was a mm-hmm. star wars movie it it might not have advanced the movie as much as like Empire did, but it still advanced the movie and still left. It still leaves us with, well, what about this? What about that? And I think the latest one we talked about is what if Luke still really isn't dead and the whole thing on Octu was a force projection? You're still going with that one. Huh? I'm, I'm still going with that one. I am. I am not on board with that one. <laughs> Most people oh, aren't. Try, Mike. <laughs> I keep trying. It, I'm gonna. I'm gonna list that right under force sensitive porgs. 
<laughs> there may be one. <laughs> <laughs> See, the porgs are a perfect example. You know, kids love those porgs. Oh, I love the porgs. Don't even no. Don't. We will say no. Nothing bad of porgs in this house. Oh no, I got nothing oh. bad to say. They're cute. <laughs> then I guess my daughter. Ha- my daughter owns like seven of them. It's porgy, <laughs> porgy junior, porgy the third, porgy the fourth, porgy the fifth. I think the the only bad the only bad thing is the poor porg that uh, Chewy almost ate. Oh no, he eats them. You know, he. My uh, my daughter was dressed as Ray, and we did a, a photo meet and greet with Chewy on a on the Disney Star Wars cruise, and she had her porg with her, and he kept trying to eat it. <laughs> oh, it was, it was beautiful. It was thin of beauty. It sounds like we we've got a, a shirt on our Tea Public store that will not be bought and worn in the Cook household, and that is our <laughs> porgs. It's what's for dinner T shirt. <laughs> They're so cute. Don't eat porgs. <laughs> well, I suppose in Chewie's defense, there wasn't a whole lot else to eat. That's true. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Katie can draw on all the social media. Um, so I do Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, and all that stuff. Uh, KatieCanDraw.com is my website, which is sorely outdated. Um, Nothing Special is my comic up on Webtoon. You can find Gronk on GronkComic.com. All that stuff. Any upcoming conventions? Uh, in the uh, next... San Diego is my next one. Awesome. So it's in five five weeks. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, Derek, you got any last questions or question? Um, no, I guess not. <laughs> well, I'm going to say thank you, Katie, for coming on. Um, I know thank it's been a so long much. time, long time coming, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely glad to have you. No, and, thank you so much. And if you're going to be at San Diego, go check Katie out and see how much she does get to talk at the panel <laughs> with Disney. <laughs> um, that one's on Sunday. So, other than that, we're just going to leave with one last question. Want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.